Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! One, one other thing, housekeeping, we're just asking, man, we're in a new space, and by the way, we're here the rest of the semester, so when you make observations of, man, I think this would, this would help us uh, to remove a barrier, let us know. This isn't about us, we want it to be the best uh, experience and engagement it can be, so let us know, um, and we welcome your suggestions on how we can make it better and what you're going to do to fix it. Um, also, we're camping out in Matthew 5 to 7. It's also known as the Sermon on the Mount. These are words directly from Jesus. And it's a powerful way for us to engage this semester. And really excited to see how God's already used it the past two weeks and is going to continue doing that. And today, our, our teacher, uh, I've known this guy for eight and a half years. And it's been fun to watch, watch this guy and how God's just continued to mold and strengthen and sharpen this guy, and for those of you that don't don't know, I'd, I'd say probably the uh, couple most important things that I would say are, are helpful so that you can understand a little bit about this guy's character. Um, I'll get to it in a second. First off, he's married. He's got five kids on purpose. And when two things I want to want to point out to you: one is this guy's gotten real involved down at Love City, uh, which is in Portland, and I've just I've watched this guy. I've seen him interact with celebrity status people, and I've seen him interact with uh, people in extreme poverty, and I can tell you he, he treats everybody the exact same, and I think that's a great thing for some of you to say about you, um, and so I see him model that. But the other thing is a couple years ago, we were working with a, a guy who, who had no clue who this guy is, and we had met with him. We were, we were meeting to develop some, some content here at Man Challenge, and it was either the second or third time we were meeting um, before this guy found out anything about um, our teacher of today's um, past career in Major League Baseball, and I just think that says volumes about this guy, that that wasn't his leadoff, that wasn't even uh, something that came up outside of this guy asking, and so I just think that shows uh, great humility, uh, a posture of great humility, and that's something that God talks over and over about in Scripture how he gives grace to the humble. So with that being said, I'd like us to give our first live Man Challenge 2021 edition welcome to Chris Burke. Good morning, men. See, is this working? We good here? Two thumbs up, no thumbs up? Nope. We're getting there. You're uh, it's usually not. How are we doing now? Oh, oh that's wow. better. Whoops. Thank you, Dave. Um, I'm still batting zero, turning my mic on. So I've got a streak on. Uh, good morning, man. It is uh, it is awesome to be with you. I am fired up to finally be back in person. Uh, grateful uh, to have the opportunity to, to speak on a passage of scripture that uh, so deep, so rich, uh, so relevant. Um, and it's certainly uh, impacted and, and shaped the way I view my faith and uh, the way I live my life. 
And, you know, some of you guys, Ronnie gave me a little brief intro, and I certainly appreciate what he had to say. Most of you guys who know me from Man Challenge and know me around know that um, uh, I went to Tennessee, and I would just like to say before I get started, you know, we're going to talk about salt and light today, and I'd just like to say, man, I'm really proud of my basketball program and how they were salt and light to the University of Kentucky last weekend. We're going to unpack salt and light here a little bit further, but just know what we did for you all last weekend was kind of the epitome of what we're going to talk about this weekend, right? Help you preserve a once proud program, you know, really just shine a light on the darkness that had overcome it and uh, restore something that was good, at least for a day, you know, at least for a day. So just need to get that out there and uh, tell, just really proud of my, my coach, Rick Barnes, for doing that for y'all. So with that really sincere, heartfelt comment, uh, we're going to get into the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so I, I just feel the need to go back a little bit. I know some of you guys, hopefully all of you listened to the message last weekend, but I feel uh, like I can't even get into salt and light if we don't talk about the Beatitudes. So a little tee up on the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to have a kind of a refresher on the Beatitudes and we're going to get into salt and light. Uh, Mason hit it last week. If you guys watched the video intro, you know, the Sermon on the Mount has been called a lot of things. Uh, the inauguration of the kingdom of God. God, these are kind of relevant topics right now. And uh, as we just change presidents, the inauguration of the kingdom of God is what one way that the Sermon on the Mount has been described. My study Bible calls it this constitution for the citizens of heaven. So like this is this is kind of where it's at, right? The, uh, the meat and potatoes, this is Jesus announcing kind of a, a new way to a group of people uh, that were hungry for a new leader. And he's about to rock the world as far as what that's going to look like relative to what they were hoping he would be. But, you know, if you remember in the Old Testament, Moses walked up to a mountain and got the Ten Commandments from God. He walked up to a mountain. You know, God delivered him the Ten Commandments. He walked down the mountain, delivered those to the people. Here in the New Testament, again, we kind of see this new way. Jesus walks up to a mountain. The disciples follow, right? I think that's a beautiful imagery there. It's symbolism of Jesus walking up to a mountain to kind of deliver maybe the fulfillment of the law, the heart of the law that Moses has already de delivered. But isn't it interesting that the disciples felt the freedom to walk up and follow Jesus as he as he delivered that? So a couple of things. If you're, if you're not a believer, uh, this is a great series for you because you're going to get a real good look at the radical nature of what's supposed to be the radical nature of Christianity. So if you're seeking, if you're kind of thirsty for something different, if you're thirsty for a new way, man, what a great series to, to listen in on. If you are a believer, buckle up, boys, because uh, you're about to get your marching order. This is going to be a, a great few weeks. So uh, Terrence, if you guys remember, Terrence last week went through the Beatitudes, um, and he's given us the heart of the kingdom of God. Uh, and without, without the right, he used the phrase, without the right heart posture, it's impossible for us to actually go and be uh, disciple makers. So we got to make sure our heart is right, that we've got the right lens with which we can receive the words Jesus is going to give us and the identity that he's going to put on us. So with that, I just wanted to kind of go through these blessings that Jesus gave us. And I'm going to give the same note Terrence did, again, just a refresher so, we, so we're in the right frame of mind as we move into salt and light. But, but I'm going to give the, and I just find it, you know, the definition of a blessing is divine favor. And you, you think about how we use this word blessing in today's word, world, you know, uh, 
somebody's healed, somebody gets a promotion, uh, something good happens to us, we tend to go, what a blessing, what a blessing, what a blessing. Very churchy term we use all the time. But Jesus is about to tell us actually who is blessed in his kingdom. So again, let's we're like a perfect crowd for what the disciples were. Remember, Jesus didn't walk up onto a mountain and go, no offense to the, uh, those who are really uh, learned in their, in their theology. Mason, don't take offense to this. But Jesus didn't go to Boys College and say, hey, give me the smartest dudes here, bring them up the mountain, I'm about to teach them a new way. He had the disciples with him. It says the disciples followed him up the mountain. And this is a ragtag group, right? We know this, fishermen, uh, some troublemakers, some tax collectors. So he's delivering this message to some dudes that maybe aren't super qualified. And he's about to lay out this kind of new way. And he's about to tell them, in my kingdom, these types of people, the people that display this kind of heart condition, these are those who I will give divine favor to. These are those who will be blessed. You guys with me? So uh, he starts off with blessed are the poor in spirit. Ter- Terrence said those are people that know they need God. He's, Jesus said blessed are those who mourn, those whose hearts break for the things of God. Blessed are the meek, those who are focused on God, not self. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who have an appetite for God's ways. Blessed are the merciful, those who have compassion and act on it. Blessed are the pure in heart, those who live honestly before God, Terrence told us last week. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who aren't easily offended and who seek to build bridges. Jesus said those types of people, those people with that kind of heart will be blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. So those who face opposition because they are seeking God's ways. So Jesus tells us those are the people in his kingdom that are going to be blessed. And I, you know, I just, as I'm reading through it over the last couple of weeks, it's like, man, how does that line up with what the world would say? Again, I'm trying to put myself in the disciples' shoes. Like I'm listening to this message being delivered. And I'm like, how does that line up with what the world would say or who the world would say is blessed? Right, so forgive me. This is my own imperfect uh, parallel here, but hopefully you guys can see some some wisdom in it. You know, Jesus said that that the poor in spirit are blessed. I think the world would say that those who are moral and tolerant are blessed. Uh, Jesus said that 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 the mourn will, that those who mourn will be blessed. I, I, I think the world would say that that those who choose their own causes will be blessed. Jesus said that the meek would be blessed. Uh, the world might say that, that blessed are those who make a name for themselves. Uh, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I think the world would say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for success, fame, money, fortune, self. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. I think the world would say, blessed are those who get even when they're wrong. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. I think the world would say, blessed are those who follow their own heart. Do what feels good. Chase your happiness. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. I think the world would say, blessed are those who win arguments. Blessed are those who stand up for themselves, right? And Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Uh, I think the world would say, blessed are those who everyone likes. Everybody speaks well of. Right, so we got this juxtaposition of God's kingdom, the world. And guys, we got a little more lipstick on us these days, but... The world was not too dissimilar then than it is now, right? Man's facing the same kind of stuff we, we're still struggling with now. Our, our stuff might look a little fancier, but it's all the same heart condition, right? So with that kind of tee up, 
Jesus is, is rocking the disciples' world as he's speaking to them. They're going, whoa. Okay, that's a little different. I thought the people that were blessed were those who had all the stuff and prettiest wife and the healthiest kids and best job titles and the most tassels on their, on their uh, religious clothes. Like, I thought those were the dudes that were blessed. And he's like, no, but not, not in my world. Not in this new kingdom. Remember, this is the inauguration of the kingdom of God. So as we get going here, I'm going to ask you guys one thing. We got man challenge here. Uh, hopefully we can have some active listening today. Like, so get out your phone, make sure you're taking your notes. Not because I have anything important to say, but we're about to get into the constitution of the citizen of heaven. And I hope God says something to you. And if he does, man, please write it down. It's going to make our discussion time a lot better when this thing wraps up. So uh, here we go. Let's get into it. Salt and light. So with that heart condition, Jesus is about to tell the disciples who they are. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except for it to be thrown out and trampled by men. You, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now, we like that verse so much in our house, we put it on a plate. We call it the special plate in Burke House. Ronnie said we have five kids on purpose. That's true. Uh, I like my wife a lot. She likes kids. So that's how that goes. So uh, I like our kids too. But uh, I like her better. So uh, anyway, we, got, we, we stole this from the Stones. You guys... Maybe do this deal at your house. If you don't, it's a, it's a great little exercise. Uh, we have what's called a special plate. We try to pass it out. Not too often because we don't want these kids already think we're special enough. But we try to let, when somebody exhibits a, a character of God, um, uses the gifts that he's given them to the best of their ability, they get kind of the, the light shined on them at dinner time. Everybody goes around the table and talks about how that person's been shining their light in the home or maybe in an activity they're involved in and the, the verse on the plate is Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It, is, it, it works good on a special plate. But hopefully today we're going to find out, man, there's a lot more to it. So here's, here's what I know about Jesus. He does not um, overuse words. He gets right to the point. Uh, sometimes it's not real friendly. Sometimes it's very uncomfortable. He's talking to the disciples. And he doesn't say, you know, you're kind of like... Salt. You guys should seek to become more like a bright light. He says, he looks them right in their eyes. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That's who you are. So you're a citizen of my kingdom. That is your identity. You're, uh, some of you guys know me in here as a, as a youth coach. I'm kind of, that's the lens I see things through oftentimes in today's world. And so you know, I coach uh, my boys in a bunch of different sports. And so forgive me for my coach analogies, but sometimes I have to look at my players and my buddy in here that I coach baseball with knows exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes I have to look at these kids and be like, this is who you are. For some reason, you don't see that. But this is who you are. Like you, you think you're this and I see you're this. And here's the problem. If I see you as this, but you think you're this, you're never going to be up here. So I'm speaking courage into you. Sometimes my voice gets kind of like it is right now. And some of these younger kids are like, is he yelling? I'm trying to 
you can just do that. Like, no, no, this is good. If you just get past my tongue, forgive my tongue. Like, I'm speaking courage into your chest. You are a dude. And in our baseball world, that means like you're a guy that other dudes, other guys should want to be like. Like, you're the guy we want up when it matters. You're the guy we want them to hit the ball to. You've got this, this, and this physical tool. Like, you're a dude. Here's the problem. You keep kicking rocks with your head down. You've got the worst body language on the team. You don't know you're a dude. Now, you don't know much about me, but I'm just telling you, I know what a dude looks like, and you're it. I don't know. I just told him, but here's the problem. If I think you're a dude, but you don't, it doesn't matter. It just, but I'm just, my job is to hopefully take you to a place you couldn't get to on your own. So there it is. Here's your identity. You could be a dude. I think you're a dude. But if you don't, we got problems. Jesus is looking at the disciples right now. You are the salt of the earth. He's looking at us right now. He's telling us today, those of us who claim faith in Christ, and he's like, you are the salt of the earth. That's who you are. You can choose to walk in that. You can view yourself as, I'm just a baby Christian. Nobody will listen to me. Like, you can choose to put whatever identity you want to put on yourself. Jesus is here today to tell you, just like he was telling the disciples a couple thousand years ago, you are the salt of the earth. That is who you are. I think about that phrase. Like, we used to, I'm not that old, so forgive me, but didn't we used to use that phrase a little bit more? Didn't we used to call people like, man, that dude's salt of the earth. You know, you think about it, we think about those beatitudes we just went through, like, who do you call the salt of the earth? You usually call it people that are meek and humble and seem to have pure hearts. Like that's who you usually call the salt of the earth, right? What a, what a great thing for somebody to say about somebody. I mean, you are the salt of the earth. So I think about salt. Let's think about salt for a second. Like back in the day, salt was used for healing. Uh, salt was used for seasoning like it still is today. But the primary use for salt back in the day was it preserved food. That's what they used it for. So they'd rub it in their meat, whatever food they didn't eat that night. You know, you went out and uh, you hunters and fishermen would love it, right? You went out and you got your food that night, that day, whatever. You brought it back home, cooked it up. Whatever you didn't eat, you put salt on it. And it would keep it from decaying, right? It would keep the bacteria from growing. And the next day, you could still eat it. It was still useful. It still had nutrition the next day. Like, that's what the value of salt was in that, that community, that culture. You can think about it as Jesus is delivering that to some fishermen. He's like, man, you are the salt of the earth. Your job is to preserve what is good in this world so that the world would see how valuable God's ways are. That's your job. Your job is to preserve the moral decay of this community. That's how valuable you are. No refrigerators. It's not like we're kept men, right? We go to our friends, we open up. These dudes had to have salt. Now, here's what's interesting about salt. You guys know this. Like, salt just on a table doesn't do anybody any good. Salt on meat. Now we got a, now we got a really useful mineral. We got something that's really providing value to what it's being used for, right? Jesus looks at these disciples. You, the salt of the earth, I am sending you out to preserve my ways, God's ways in this world for the good of others. Like your purpose is for others. That's who you are. Then he looks out and he says, you are the light of the world. That's who you are. Now we know later on in, in the gospel of John, Jesus calls himself the light of the world. So 
you know, fortunate here we are in 2021, we've got the full measure of the gospel to, to refer to. Like, Jesus is the light of the world. I'm not putting this pressure on you, right? You can't save anybody. I know I certainly can't. Like, Jesus is the light of the world. Those of us who claim salvation through him are called to reflect that light. Right? What do we, what do we know about light? What, is, what does light do? Light brightens up a dark place, right? It's not much light up there. It's pretty dark. Bright light in my face. It's light up here, right? Darkness flees from the light. When you put a light in a space, people feel safer. Light provides growth. Light gives life. Light was as, as valuable as it is for us today, even more so then, right? There was, it was so much harder to come by. It was so much more distinct, so much harder to find, practically speaking. But it's, it's no less, it was no less, I guess, new movement. But today's world, if we're being honest, in the metaphorical sense, light is just as hard to find, right? A bright light that's really trying to illuminate the world around them. It's, and again, we think about these two uh, identities that Jesus has put on the disciples, salt and light. Their greatest quality is for the community around them. Like the most necessary need or use is others. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That, that's who you are. And so, you know, as we start to think about putting ourselves in the, in the, in the shoes of the disciples and receiving that word from Jesus, you can see where that would maybe take a little unpacking. Maybe it would be a little overwhelming. But I love the, the directness with which Jesus speaks. And he just goes right at him. This is who you are. Not a suggestion. Not an ideal. Not some lofty expectation. This is who I've called you to be. Go walk into it. But we got to unpack this whole passage. So notice how direct he is after he says, look, if you look at verse 13, blessed, <clears throat> excuse me, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except for to be thrown out and trampled by men. You know, any since man walked the earth, right? Anything that was valuable, somebody was out there trying to fake people that they had that commodity and they were going to sell it to somebody, some counterfeit salt. You with me? Right? So, you know, real salt was useful. Some dude's going to go out and try to pawn off some fake salt to make a buck, right? This is, we know this to be true. This happens over and over and over through time. You know what happens if you put fake salt on food? Wake up in the morning, you got spoiled meat. Right? And in a way, now you've done damage to real salt. Because the person who bought the fake salt, the next time it's like, is that real? Is that fake? Man, I don't know what I'm looking at here. That looked like salt. Felt like salt. The guy told me it was salt. Why is my meat spoiled? Why is my food no good? Why does our world continue to decay? Maybe because the salt of the earth has lost its saltiness. And Jesus says, again, don't, I didn't come up with this, right? Jesus says, no longer good for anything. Thrown out, trampled out by men. 
then when we lose our ability to, what I love about salt is very distinct. There was no replacement for it. It wasn't gold. He didn't look at them and say, you're the gold of the world. You're the silver of the world. You're the kings of the world. You're the princes of the world. That's not what Jesus said. He said, you're the salt of the earth. Not as salt. You know, no, no kingdoms were conquered over salt. Man, what a valuable commodity. What a, what a purpose it had for the community. Right? But only if it was functioning as salt. Only then. Jesus goes on to say in, in verse 14, he says, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. What, a, what an image, right? What an image. But neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. They don't do that. People don't put a lamp under a bowl. There was a big sheet over that light right now. We'd have problems in here. doesn't make sense. You know, a light in a room. What do you all do when you leave the house? What do you tell your kids? Turn the lights off. Why? And? Don't need it. Nobody's in there. A light under a bowl? That doesn't do anybody any good. Now, forgive me my sports analogies, but like, I say this all the time. You go to any great coach. I know the guy I played for in college. If you go to him and say, hey man, tell me the three greatest leaders in your program. You would think if you coached college baseball for 20 years or Take your football coach. You know, if we went to Nick Saban tomorrow and said, hey, Saban, tell me the greatest leaders you ever coached. Coach Patino, give me the five guys that changed your program. He wouldn't say, man, I, there's like 25. I can't even make a list. He'd go, shh, shh, shh. Why? Light is not afraid to shine. That's what its job is. Not for its glory, the glory of God, we're going to get to that in a second. Light isn't afraid to be on a stand. Light isn't afraid to put their hand up and say, I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm walking in the right direction. I'm getting after it in the weight room. I'm going to class. Socially, I'm making good decisions. When I'm on the court, I am not only coachable, but I am emptying my tank every second of every play. So while I might not have this whole thing figured out, follow me. I'm trying to do what coach is trying to get us done. Like, I'm, I, I, I can picture Jay Dorch being that guy at UK football. I can picture that. And here's the deal. For some reason, over the course of time, there's not too many guys that want to raise their hands. They follow me. Why? Well, because I'm not so sure, I'm not so sure I'm worthy of being followed. Here's the good news. You're not. But you know the man who is. And the more we walk into that, the brighter our light shines. And the more willing we are to take a stand. And I know I'm kind of playing our words here a little bit. But like, I think about us as being, because that's what we are. Salt of the earth, light of the world. What stands are we on? What stands are we making in today's world that, that illuminate the world around us? Our job is to cast out the darkness. Right? What Martin Luther King saying, right? Darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do that. How are we? How are we doing that? What stands are we taking? I think about my man, you know, Ronnie referenced Love City. I think about what Sean and Inger are doing down there at Love City. Salt and light. They are preserving what is good down there, and they are shining the light on what is dark in the west end of our city. And they are attempting to make God known through taking an old church and now having a worship service, a broken down fellowship hall. Now it is a place where people gather to eat. 
an old gym with a totally defunct basement is now a place where K through 8th graders are being educated and families are being brought together for the purposes of the advancement of their children. They went in there, they stood the gap, they preserved what was good, now they're shining a light on what is dark and the crime has decreased and I think, man, what an example of salt and light. Now some of you guys are going, man, that is so beyond me. Okay, fine. You can partner with them. You can, you can use what God's blessed you with to help them be salt and light. But we can also be salt and light right where we are. Maybe it's not as big as that deal. Maybe it's your golfing buddies. And you're like, this dude's going down a bad path. I need to step in here and be salt and light. And I'm going to risk being uncomfortable with my golfing buddies because that dude's marriage is slipping and I can see it. So I'm going to make a stand right now. I'm going to make a stand. Hey, man, quit talking about the golf cart lady. Like, yeah, I get it. She's good looking. Up next. You know, maybe it's in your work habits. Maybe there's a dude at the office that's kind of gotten pretty good at, like, the gray areas of business. And it's like, no, 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 not here. Not for us. Not with us. That's not how we're going to do it. I'm going to make a stand. I'm going to be a bright light. And maybe I end up being like Jesus said in the Beatitudes. Maybe I'm a dude that gets persecuted for it. Maybe. Jesus says that's divine favor. And guys, I, I don't know your deal, and I am not into telling you how to behave. What I am into telling you is you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And a city on a hill can't be hidden, and a lamp is made for a stand. And my challenge for you today is what stands are you taking? We, we live in a world where marriage is like, ah, if it's, if it's good for you, stay. If it's bad, move on. We should be making a stand for marriage. Like, what if, what if you viewed your marriage as salt and light? I'm going to preserve what God said was good. I'm going to shine a light on the darkness of what our culture views marriage as. And as a couple, we're going to pursue making him known. What if you said as a man, again, forgive me those who are single, but what if you said as a married man, I'm going to take a stand that only my wife gets my sexual energy. That's it. Only her. Don't send me those texts no more. Buddies, you guys, we're boys, like, but I'm out of this thread. I can't handle the pictures anymore. No more emails, like, I'm out. Only my wife gets my sexual energy. That's the stand I'm going to make today. I'm going to make a stand, and you know what? My wife is going to know that she and only she is the pursuit of my sexual release. Only her. Salt and light. I don't need to move to Portland to do that. I got a heart for it. What's going on down there? I love being down there. I love sharing with them and, and trying to make God known down there. But I don't, I don't need to move to Portland or Africa or India to be salt and light right where God has me. And if we lose our saltiness, we're, we're good on it. The world needs us to be salty. You know what's funny is... What's our normal description of salty today, man? I do salty. Like, for some reason, that's not a good thing, right? And I hope somebody would say, man, Luke Hancock, that dude's salty. Well, yeah, man, I'm trying to be a little more salty myself. Ronnie said this to me earlier. We were talking about it. He said, one thing salt does makes you thirsty. Maybe not the greatest aspect of salt. But my prayer for us 
is that people would see what we had, they would look at salt, they would look at light, and they would say, I'm thirsty for some of that. This deal I got ain't working. What is that you're drinking? You're like, man, I don't know. No secret, just let me show you Jesus. Let me point you that way. So let's finish with how Jesus finishes here in this passage. May they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Man, I'm, I'm here to give you a good word. Some of you guys are going, I'm not very salty. I don't have a bright light. Perfect. Imagine what those disciples were thinking. Fortunately, Jesus came. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross. He walked out of that tomb. He ascended to heaven. He sent us the Holy Spirit. And he told us that would be good for us. And when he sent us that Holy Spirit, we can now have the same power that rose him from the grave in us so that so that, stay with me, man, so that we can be salt and light. We can go from that kid who's kicking rocks after striking out to a real dude. We can do that. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. I can't do it. So if you're feeling defeated today, like, man, I'm not real salty and my light's not very bright, neither is mine. But let me tell you whose light is bright. The Holy Spirit's. The more you can get out of the way, the more that Holy Spirit can shine, the brighter it will, not yours, his. And that is a why. You know, everybody loves the culture. What is your why? Let me tell you your why, man. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. If that don't let your feet hit the floor with a purpose to go be salt light, We're going to have a long conversation with God, and that's fine. Maybe that's where you're at today. But I'm just telling you, the purpose is not to make you known. The purpose is not for your reputation. The purpose is not for your social media following. The purpose is certainly not for your bank account. The purpose is that they may see your good deeds and give God the glory. That's your purpose. And that is a good, good word this morning. Amen? Here's some questions for you. What part of the passage stood out to you the most today? Not... Not anything I had to say, but what part of God's word stood out to you the most? What ways today in the world you live in currently can you start to be salt and light? What ways can you preserve what's good around you and drive out the darkness today? What are things that cause you to lose your saltiness and put your light under a bowl? What are those things? And do a last question. This kind of all ties together. So you take the news, take this where you want to go. Are people thirsty for Jesus because you're in their life? Is, is the, are the qualities of your walk with the Lord distinct like the mineral salt to the point where people are like, I don't know, but it looks different. Let me pray for us. God, you're good. You are good. You alone are good. And your calling is so distinct from what the world has for us, God. And that is why we praise you this morning. That's why we get up early to be with you, God. That is why we long to hear your voice, God. That is why you and you alone can save. So, God, I pray uh, this morning that we, as your men, we, as the salt of the earth, God, we, as the light of the world, would step into that calling that you have put on us, not out of guilt or shame or duty, God, but out of the overflow of the gratefulness that you love sinners like us. 
so much that you would allow us to partner with you to do your work here in this world, God. So I pray that because of the men that are sitting here today and hearing my voice, that the world would see your good ways and give you the glory through our obedience. God, would you help us do that? And would you just give us vulnerability in our time together that we may uh, link arms together uh, to shine a little bit brighter for you, God. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.